I love to come to a church that knows how to worship. I travel all over the country, and sometimes I sit on a front pew, and I know the Lord's with us, and I don't like people's prayers when they say, Oh, Lord Jesus, come and be with us. Oh, Holy Spirit, be with us. Hey, listen, if he's not with us right now, something's wrong. Because when I got saved, he entered into me. Amen. So wherever I am, he already is. But sometimes I wonder, <laughs> sometimes I kind of wonder, Lord, are you here? You know, just by the way the church is not responding to worship. Man, I was very, very comfortable today. Were you comfortable singing and praising the Lord? I was. I was because I'm saved. <laughs> Let me tell you. And I, and, I, and I look forward to that day I die. I don't want to die today. I could. I'm ready. I may never see my wife again. I may never see the sun come up tomorrow morning. But boy, I tell you what, if I don't, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can just call Kathy and tell her I'm in a better place, you know? Wow. Jack and Jenny, good to see y'all here. Praise the Lord. Jack, are you saved? Amen. Preacher, you saved? Bill, are you saved? Excuse me, we've got several bills, haven't we? <laughs> I'm uh, not real big on titles, as I shared to that first hour. I, I uh, but I do have a title. I, I hope I hope you'll you'll take notes this morning. Uh, I hope you've got something to write with, and hope in your Bibles you make a lot of notes. Um, and Pastor, I am so thankful to be here. This is a good day. I, I love your theme here, the corner of hope. Amen. Even your website and a lot of your logo stuff. You know, the corner of hope. Right here, you are on the corner of hope, and um, there is hope here. There is hope here, and there are some of you who came in here today looking for hope. You're looking for help. You're looking for answers, and you young people, I'm glad you're here today too. We got a good group of young people here in here with us today, man. Hey, if you're if you're uh, 19 or younger, stand up. 19 or younger, stand up, all of you. <laughs> yeah. Good. Look around. Look. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. <laughs> I am proud of all of you, and I'm glad you're in here this morning. Uh, this book right here changed my life when I was a young person. Got saved when I was nine. I'd already been into the book a good bit at age six, started going to church, didn't attend church much prior to age six, but at age six we started going to church, moved out of the country into a little bitty town called Tiptonville, Tennessee, and we got into the book, started getting the book into us. When I was a teenager, the Jesus movement hit the, hit the world, hit the United States, started just south of us a little bit in Kentucky, Asbury College. 
God got all over my heart, got all over my life. When I was in high school and college, I was so excited about Jesus. I started carrying my Bible around with me everywhere. And let me tell you what, right now, middle schoolers, elementary, middle schoolers, high schoolers, uh, maybe right at college age, if you're a 19-year-old or whatever here in college, maybe 18-year-old in college, let me tell you what, you need to take a stand for Jesus on the campus. Everywhere you go, be a Jesus freak. We need some Jesus freaks on our campuses. Let me tell you, you are on the largest mission field in the world. It's called the secondary and college campuses. That's the mission field. I mean, wide open. More people will be saved before 19 than any other age. 19 and younger. So people 19 and younger are more open to the gospel than when they hit 20 and above. And when someone gets saved 20 and above, I mean, that's a miracle. When somebody gets saved 30 above, that's a real miracle. When somebody gets saved 50, 60, 70 above, that's, that's just unbelievable. But people are getting saved at a senior adult age today. I'm seeing more senior adults come to know Jesus in my meetings than ever in my life. You students have legal rights at school. You have the legal right to carry. Now listen to me. You have the legal right to carry your Bible to school. You have the legal right to wear Christian T-shirts at school. And I love, man, I, I've got Christian T-shirts, and I still wear Christian T-shirts. When I got radically turned on at age 17, I started wearing Jesus shirts. And you're a walking billboard at school when you've got a Jesus shirt on. I mean, everybody sees that shirt. You're in the hallway, they see the shirt. You're at lunch, they see the shirt. You're in study hall. Y'all go to study hall these days? No. But anyway, you go to study hall, they see those shirts. You're leaning over, get a drink to water fountain, they see those shirts. You're a walking billboard. You're speaking for Jesus even though maybe you're not speaking. But you have the legal right to talk about Jesus at school also. I do legal right seminars around the country. You have the legal right. As long as you're not interrupting or interfering a class that's going on, or a leadership person, a teacher, or someone in authority, as long as you don't interrupt them or whatever, you can talk about Jesus. And prayer, hey, listen, you can pray in school. Madeline Marie O'Hare, you remember her. Back in 1963, I believe it was, she, she worked so hard. She was, a, she was an atheist. Matter of fact, she said she was an atheist. There's no such thing as an atheist. And right now, she knows she's sure not an atheist. Because when she died, she stood face to face with the one she said didn't exist. And she worked so hard in our country to get prayer out of school. And, and you know, from a legal standpoint, we don't pray anymore in school as a, in a, in a leadership-wise. Your teacher doesn't get up and lead you in prayer and all that. We don't have Bible reading anymore in our schools. But listen, they will never be able to take prayer out of schools. Because as long as there's tests, there will be prayer. Amen? <laughs> Woo! We're going to be praying when there's a test. Listen, you can, pray. you can get together at lunchtime with all your friends and just have a word of prayer. Pray right there. Set up a little prayer group at lunchtime. Oh, well, our teachers don't like that. Well, you know, you can do it. You can legally do it. Christian teachers, you need to be supporting your students in this if you're a teacher. They have the legal right to do that. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and I love to do that. I love to encourage and challenge teenagers. Stand out. Be different. Because, see, listen, listen, if you're saved, if Jesus has stepped out of heaven into your heart, you're saved. You're born again. If somewhere back in history, six months ago, 
three weeks ago at a youth get-together. Ten years ago, you prayed and asked Jesus to step out of heaven in your heart, forgive your sins. You're born again. You're saved. You're a Christian. What's your like, life like now, though? Are you living like Jesus? You know, I'll tell you what, you students face so much junk at school these days. I mean, you, everything goes on at school. All of you old folks, we cannot imagine what these students see, hear, experience, hopefully not in your county, but a lot of counties down in Florida where I am, they're very liberal, what they are taught in our schools. I mean, I can't believe what some of the books are teaching now, even the very young children in our schools. I mean, you'd freak out. Some of you would really get mad. And you know what? You ought to get mad. The whole reason all that's available now is because you and I got zipped-lipped as Christians and we let the school boards and the government now do whatever they want to. And the reason our country is going the way it's going is because we've not helped young people stand up for Jesus and make a difference in the school systems even. Wow. Man, I'm so glad you're here today. Now that I've embarrassed you, you can sit down, okay? Yeah, a moment ago, a 17-year-old peer of yours got born again. Uh, two or three other people indicated they prayed and asked Jesus to come in their heart. We'll be contacting, trying to follow up with them some. The title of today's message would be this. Finally got to it, didn't I? Do you have a spot? Do you have a spot? S-P-O-T. Do you have a spot? In other words, assurance of salvation. I don't want anybody to walk out of those doors or these doors over here not sure, absolutely sure, that when you die, you're going to heaven. I want you to know. I, I want you to make the devil mad. A lot of the mail I do, I'll close a text out or a tweet or something, you know, and you said it a while ago. Make the devil mad. Amen? Man, we need to make the devil mad. He is laughing at so many of our churches today. He's laughing at some of you today. Because when you woke up this morning, all the hell laughed and snickered. Because they knew you were going to go to church. Going to revival. And then you, you're not planning to come back anymore. You're going to make your scene here this morning and not come back anymore. Would you make the devil mad and come back tonight? Amen. And forget the golf tournament on TV. You can always watch it later. Preacher's going to be watching it while I preach, I'm sure, as it closes out tonight. No, listen, I don't know what you've got going at 630 tonight, but you need to come and you need to bring a friend with you. Amen? Bring somebody with you. Preacher, it's a little fuller right here. Yeah, it looks good. This morning, man, there was, a, there was a vacuum right here. Nobody was seated right here. When you get up every morning, the devil ought to get mad because you've got a spot and you know you're saved and the devil knows that you know you're saved and he knows that some of you are going to be talking about Jesus through the day, passing out gospel tracts, praying at the meal table, asking the waiter or waitress, is there anything we can pray for you about? We're going to give thanks for our food. We would love to pray for you. 
I'm telling you, the devil hates that some of you got up. And when I got up this morning, I tell you, every morning when I wake up, it's my prayer that the devil and all of hell will go, Oh, no! Burton's up! Amen? And when you wake up in the morning, that's what the devil ought to be saying. Oh, no! Jennifer's up! Oh, no! Tommy's up! Oh, no! Carolyn's up! Oh, no! The Johnson family's up! Whatever. Amen? I'm telling you, it ought to be that way. But you've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. You've got to have your sins washed away by the blood for hell to be worried about you. Teenagers, I'm glad I'm not a teenager, but I do wish sometimes I were a teenager again. Just to be able to get back into that fire and that, that excitement of Jesus. I mean, we had Jesus bumper stickers on our cars and, you know, we were wearing those T-shirts and I had long hair and bell bottoms, leisure suits. You remember those? Some of you about as old as I am. You remember those days. Let me tell you what. When I got saved, I got saved. And when God got my attention, he got my attention. And I, I don't, I'm not perfect. I know you think I'm perfect, Greg. I'm real close to it, not quite. I'm not perfect at all. There's a lot of stuff in my life. I go through the same struggles and temptations that you go through. I'm, I'm all American red-blooded male. Man. Are you with me? And there is stuff being thrown at us men and you young boys like never before. I mean, I thought it was pretty ungodly when I was growing up. Nothing compares to what's happening today. You hold in your hand the world in your phone. And you can go and see anything you want to and read anything you want to and follow anything and listen to anything you want to anytime you want to. It takes a real discipline not to do it because the temptations are real. Even though I know my spot, even though I know when I got saved, even though I'm sure of going to heaven when I die, I'm still tempted. I still have those struggles in life because I'm a man. I mean, you can't drive down the highway now without a billboard going by. And... Are you with me? And you ladies just don't understand. You don't. You're wired differently. Well, yeah, amen. <laughs> Woo, we like it too. I like it that way. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I mean, listen, we're di guys are different. Guys are, are respond to division. Things we see, I mean, boy, it's just, <sighs> ladies, you just don't know. You don't, I tell my wife all the time, you just have no idea. Now, am I wrong, men? Boy, some of you are mighty quiet. Something's wrong with y'all. I'm concerned, preacher. But ladies, listen, I don't know what you go through either. I know you young ladies go through stuff at school. You young ladies at work. Be careful. Be careful how you dress, how you look. Because men look. Billy Graham said, how did, how did you 
survive all those years. Boy, he was clean and pure and still had faults and sinned in life and all. And he said, let me tell you how I overcome the temptations. He, he said, I'm just like you, you know. A good-looking lady walks into the room, and, and you look. God's gifted her. She's beautiful, and you look, and, but you look away. Maybe she's not dressed just proper. You know what I'm talking about? Or, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, talk to me. You know what I'm talking about. And a lost person cannot overcome that temptation more times than not. They're not only going to look the first time. Billy Graham said, the first time you look, I mean, she's there. I mean, there, there, she just appears that she's there. Look away. Television, you're watching TV. And I don't watch much TV nowadays. Whoo, praise the Lord, I don't watch much TV. Just don't watch it. You say, well, boy, you're weird. Well, get weird with me. I mean, every advertisement nearly, not all, but most, got some girly stuff in it. Are you with me? Ladies, you don't understand. Businesses do. Those that sell the product do. And I know, ladies, you go through all that too, and I'm sorry, I, I don't know how you feel, and I'm glad I don't. I'm not a lady, I don't know, but I'm telling you, I know you go through stuff too. He said, you, you look, you see it, you look away. He said, that's a temptation. Temptations are going to come our way. When you, you and I got saved, it didn't take away the temptations. Jesus was even tempted in all ways as we were tempted. The Bible says, Jesus was tempted in every way that I'm tempted. Yet, he was without sin. Praise the Lord, he overcame it. And if Jesus is in me, men, Jesus is in you, ladies... You can overcome any temptation there is. Your eyes, your tongue, what you hear, what you watch, how you respond to people, places you go, the way you spend your money, giving to the church, whatever it might be. I mean, when Jesus is in you, he, he can control you, amen? That's what's called the Spirit-filled life. But sometimes we're not controlled. That's why Ephesians chapter 5 is written where... Paul wrote the church, he said, remember, you need to keep on, keep on being filled. Amen? You get saved, and then, man, we fall into temptation, and that temptation becomes sin. When you look back at that girl that second time, that's when you're walking into sin. It's going to happen. There are going to be temptations that are going to pop up in front of you, but just look away from whatever it is, to lie, to cheat, to talk about somebody, to gossip to not give my tithe and offering to the church. Well, I'll give a little bit. Well, that's, a bit that's a good bit there. That's pretty good. Well, if it's not a tithe and an offering, it's called sin. You know, there's some people in this room right now, Christians, leaders of the church. Now, I haven't looked at any of your budget or giving or anything like that, but I can just tell you, some of you aren't tithing to this church. I've not talked to the preacher one time about any of this. I don't know what your budget is. I don't know what your giving is. I know very few of you by even first name. But some of you are not filled, not completely happy in the Lord because you're not even tithing. You're not tithing. That's just, ten, that's just a dime out of every dollar. That's not much. And I mean every dollar you get. Hey, what'd you do with your stimulus check? Huh? What'd you do with it? Huh? Huh, 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 huh. 
Man, I hope you, I hope you ministered with it, amen? Because most of you in here didn't need it. I don't understand government. I don't know why they do the things they do, how they do it and all that. But when I got saved, God changed me. And my wife immediately, we started saying, hey, how can we give this away? And then I looked there and I said, have we already tithed on it? Just a reminder. Had a little lady come up to me one time. I was pastoring out in the panhandle of Florida. And she said, Brother David, Brother David, and I've been preaching on tithing and giving. And man, you're a great giving church here. Man, Annie Armstrong, to see you double, over double probably what you has ago. That's awesome. But now listen, don't go patting yourself on the back. Because some of you hadn't given enough yet. Some of you are going to come up and say, Preacher, I'm sorry. I really hadn't given yet, and I need to give some more. I'm glad I'm saved. Amen? Look at Matthew before I just go on and on. Where did I put my Bible? Matthew chapter 5. I want you to underline this verse. Excuse me, chapter 7, chapter 7, Matthew 7. I want you to underline, highlight, put, put something around the verse where it just pops off the page at you. Look at verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Are you there? Say, I'm there. How many of you got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Yeah, phones and everything go up. Good, good, great, great. That's good. That's awesome. Jack and I preach all over the country in different ways, different fashions, Sunday after Sunday, and I'm telling you, it just breaks my heart to go into some churches and nobody has their Bible because everything's thrown up on the screen, and I'm glad you've got it up there. But I'm telling you what, we ought to be reading from the book. You not only get into the book, but you get the book into you. I can't do that, but look at the screen. I can't do that, but just looking at my cell phone or my iPad, really, I can't. I got to have it where I can write and study and read and mark and highlight and say, well, I do that. I can do that with us, my smartphone. Well, good, you're smarter than me, and I'm glad you do it, okay? Just do it. Just do it as long as you do it. There's something about the printed word. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... We could stop right there. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. You've heard that before. There'll be people, when they die, they'll stand before God. And they'll say, Lord, Lord. Watch what else he says, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name? That means preached, taught the Bible in Bible studies, small groups, proclaimed the word somewhere or another through music, whatever. Have I not prophesied and proclaimed the word and preached in your name? And in your name have cast out devils? Whoa. And in your name done many wonderful works? Man, I've given to the church till the... I've just given till I'm blue in the face. Well, I even bought that piano. 
And maybe you did. I don't know, somebody here may have bought that piano. You gave her the piano. Well, I, I gave enough money 13 years ago, and I bought six pews for that new church they built. This one we're in right now. A lot of good works. Did a lot of good things. Been a part of food drives around here. Even worked social ministries around in the Camden area or Eaton, Dayton, wherever you go and work. And a lot of people are going to say, boy, I've done a lot of good works, God. Verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. See, they're going to, listen, listen, listen. There are a lot of good people going to die and go to hell. A lot of good people in this church. I've just looked at every one of you. Those watching by live stream, a lot of good people that are going to die and go to hell. Why? Because you've never, ever come to the place in your life where you've repented of your sins and you've called upon Jesus to save you and change you. You've never done that. You've never done You've never, ever called upon the name of the Lord to save you. And when we call upon the Lord, Scripture teaching that we must repent. The Scripture says, repent ye therefore. Repent means to turn 180 degrees. It's like the cross behind me and the world before me. As a lost person, there's the world out in front of me. And as a lost person, I'm walking like the world, thinking like the world, drinking like the world, talking. You know, singing like the world, watching stuff like the world, reading the same stuff the world watches, acting like the world, dressing like the world, buying like the world, spending like the world. The world, the world, the world. But at one point in my life, that still small voice of God began to talk to me, just like he did a bunch of you. That still small voice of God began to talk and I got convicted of my sin, and I realized that I was a lost sinner. When I got saved, I'd never drank one drop of beer. But I was lost. I never cussed my mama out, but I was lost. I never looked at any pornography of any kind that I, can, that I remember at age nine, but I was lost. Because I never repented of my sinful life and called. Listen, it's not just in my head thinking, oh, I'm just a bad person, man. I got all this junk in my life. Oh, something needs to happen to me. Oh, man, my life needs to be changed. Bless God. I'm going to go to that front. I'm going to get down there with that pastor and talk to him. Because mm -mm. there's a lot of people that have walked an aisle and are as lost as lost can be today. Taking the preacher with the hand been baptized and are lost because they've never 
called upon Jesus to save them. They never repented and said, Father, I repent. I, I turn from the ways of the world 180 degrees to the cross of Christ. You've never done that. You cannot go back in, in history and find the spot. You cannot go back in time and find the spot, the time, the day, the moment, the night, the morning, the afternoon that you prayed and asked Jesus to step out of heaven into your heart. You cannot find that time. And if you can't find that time, friend, you've never had it happen. You say, when I preach, I, I, think, I think it happened. I, I think I'm okay. I won't get it. Scripture says in 1 John 5, 13, these things, the book, the book that you hold right there, these things were written, watch this, these things were written that you may know you have eternal life. So you can know it. So glad I know it. I am so glad I know it. If I got in that vehicle out there today and drove back down to Oxford to my hotel and never made the hotel, somebody came by me on one of those winding roads between here and there about 10 miles. It was on the wrong side of the road and hit me straight on. It would tear Brother Roy's Jeep all to pieces. And if I were killed, I am in heaven right then boom Dan I'm in heaven I'm not going to some waiting room well the old boy on the cross that was dying the thief Jesus looked at him and said today amen Woo! when I die I'm so ready I don't want to die I'm not wishing to die I mean, I like living. I really like living. I do. I just enjoy, I just, I just enjoy living. My wife can tell you that. I just don't get frustrated much. I don't let things bother me much. I don't argue. Just, and, and it's not me. It's just Jesus in me. Because let me tell you, when I got saved, Jesus came to live within me. That same Jesus that can help me overcome the temptations of looking at somebody or going to some website, or checking a little teaser out on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere, somebody says, hello. I have a choice, just like you have a choice. The reason that bothers me, and I know it's wrong, is because of Jesus lives within me. Listen, I am not perfect. I have sin in my life. I know somebody would say, well, why don't you just name off some of those sins? I'm not going to do it. But when I do fall into sin, I'm telling you, it's a miserable walk, isn't it, Greg? And I'm convicted by God, and I'm in that sin, and I'm, I'm it's, a, it's a wonderful indication you're saved. When you just get miserable, when you're into the alcohol, and you're into the sex, you're into the pornography, you're into lying, you're robbing. And I know some of you dear, sweet, senior adults, I love you. I'm getting up there with you. And I know you say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't go to any of them sites. Well, good. Well, preacher, I, I'm not into social media. I, I just don't know what you're talking about. Well, good. 
I don't get out and drive anymore. I don't see those billboards. I don't even go to Walmart and at the checkout line see some of those magazines there. Well, good. You're, you're bad off. You're not doing that. But, but you're, in, you're into some stuff, too, as a senior adult. So glad I'm saved. And when I stand before God, he's not going to look at me and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because he's going to know me. My wife, Kathy, if she were here today, listen, listen to me. If she were here today, she would tell you a testimony of how 19, I've forgotten the years, about, she, was, she was right at 30 years of age. We were on staff, I was on staff at First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, Oklahoma, another First Southern. Met Kathy in college at Union University. I guess I was about 18. And for me, it was love at first sight. I mean, I saw Kathy coming across the campus friend of mine and hers was going to introduce us and she said David, David, I want you to meet my friend her name is Kathy and as I saw Kathy coming toward me, I went, whoa I want to meet you too she was beautiful love at first sight, my socks started going <laughs> I mean, it was a sweet moment, I had a cowboy hat and boots and all, you know, and I was not a real cool dude on campus and we fell in love, and she started going on revival teams with me. Got to know her and her parents, her daddy. Her daddy was a great, great man of God, one of the most godly men I ever knew, just like my daddy. Wow. When's the last time you thanked God for your parents? And I know some of you had some pretty rough times growing up, and I'm sorry. Wow. I never did. Kathy sang in revivals for me. After those revivals, when she would play the piano, and we'd have youth fellowships after church, you know. She'd share a testimony. But Kathy didn't know Jesus. Kathy grew up in one of the best Southern Baptist churches in Memphis. Had some of the greatest preachers come in and preach, Manly Beasley, of course, Adrian Rogers. On and on the list would go, just guys who broke the bread of life and made it clear how to be saved. And my wife heard it over and over. My wife went forward many times after worship services to this altar or the altar in her church or churches, wherever she was. My wife went to the altar many times to rededicate her life. My wife heard great preaching from me. Wonderful, dynamic. And she's lost. Her mama was a pastor's secretary for years. Kathy and I went off together to South Florida when Dr. D. James Kennedy and Evangelism Explosion was really kicking. We got trained nationally and internationally in Evangelism Explosion. 
we traveled to different states in my ministry and we taught other churches and people how to share their faith. Kathy would go out on soul winning teams and lead people to Jesus. She was lost. Because you see, Kathy is not anybody's savior. Kathy was just sharing the word and the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She, was, she knew how to tell other people about Jesus. Down deep in her heart, struggling with this salvation thing. Even tried to write out her testimony during our evangelism training. Never could come down to a spot, a time, a day, a moment when she had prayed and asked Jesus into her heart. Couldn't do it. Made up some stuff just to pass the test. On a Sunday night at First Southern Dale City, our pastor, Tom Eliff, at the time, stood up. Dr. Eliff held his Bible up, and he said, Tonight's message is this. Are you sincerely saved or satanically deceived? Are you sincerely saved or satanically deceived? And on the back row of that church that night, big church, a lot of people there, she said God just stabbed her in the heart. She got so convicted. She grabbed me by the hand and we started walking down the aisle. Don't remember all the story, but as she walked down the aisle, you know, what, what's my daddy going to think? My daddy thinks I'm a Christian. I'm married to a preacher. What's mama going to think? And God's saying, hey, don't worry about what they think. Well, what's a... What's my preacher? What's my pastor? What's Brother Tom going to think? God is saying, don't worry about what Brother Tom thinks. Well, what's this church going to say? Is it going to embarrass my husband? He's on staff here. Kathy Burton, don't worry about what they think. You need to be born again. That night, my wife came forward took Pastor by the hand, we went off to their right and got right here. And Kathy and I went back to that church a couple of years back, stood right where she prayed and asked Jesus into her heart. That became her spot. That was the time when Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven into her heart and changed her forever. And she was born again. All those times she came to rededicate her life, you can't, you can't, listen, you can't rededicate something that's never been dedicated. Amen. Have you ever dedicated your life? Do you know that you know Jesus? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, please. Do you know 